Morning, Keystone. If you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, we'll be in, in verses 9 through 14 there this morning. As we continue uh, one more week before Life Action, uh, our series on prayer, looking at Paul's prayers, uh, and then uh, a week after Life Action and see her wrapping up this series on looking at some of the things Paul prayed for that hopefully are both uh, teaching us, equipping us to, to know how, how to pray, what to pray for times, but also just encouraging us to be praying, leading up to life action, but, but beyond that in our lives as well. Uh, one of the, I think, greatest capacities we have as humans is, is our ability to uh, learn, accumulate, and, and retain knowledge. The ability to know things and retain knowledge within our heads, within our brains, is really incredible when you stop and think about it. Uh, Bill Bryson, I think I've quoted this book before, but he he wrote a book on the human body, just exploring how incredible it is. And he compares the the human brain to a computer to try to get us to see how, how amazing it is. He says, a morsel of cortex, one cubic millimeter in size, about the size of a grain of sand, that helps me to picture what he's talking about, uh, could hold 2,000 terabytes of information. I'm like, what is that? Enough to store all the movies ever made, trailers included, or about 1.2 billion copies of this book. That one grain of sand within our brain is enough to store that type of information. It, it, it really is our ability to like know things and retain knowledge should cause us to stop and be amazed at God and how he's made us when we start to think about it and realize uh, what that means. But, but we should also recognize there are different types or forms of knowledge. A- and maybe this morning, there's probably more than this, but just to break it into two different types, there, there is knowing something just for the sake of knowing it. Knowing something just for the sake of knowing it. Maybe for the sake of this morning, we just call that informational knowledge. I just know the information in my head. But then there's also knowing things that impact our lives and how we live, maybe even on a daily basis. And maybe we think of that just as transformational knowledge this morning. And there's a difference between these two, a big difference, I would say. Let me just give you a couple examples to kind of illustrate what this difference might be. And you could, I'm sure, come up with some of your own examples as well. I think, first of all, of my car that I drive. I know that my car has four cylinders in it. I know because I looked it up just to double check to make sure. But I think I knew that beforehand. That makes zero difference to me. Zero difference to me in my life. Right? Like, I just, it doesn't matter to me. I also know that my car runs on gas. That makes a difference in my life. I need to budget money every single month in order to buy gas. I need to, as my car starts to drop in gas, find a gas station to fill it up with gas. One of them, things that I know, makes no impact. The other actually impacts how I live and what I do. Or or you might think of of your body. I, I know that I have a digestive system. That knowledge makes really no difference to me in how I live. But I also know that I need food and water every single day to live. That makes a huge impact on my life. Every single day I'm eating and drinking because I know I, I need to eat and drink to stay alive. Or, or maybe you might think in relationship to other people. Uh, I know that Joel, Joel Embiid, star player of the 76ers, birthday is on March 16th. 
You might be like, that's really creepy, Kyle. Why do you know that? Uh, because my son rented a book from the library this past week that was all about Joel Embiid. So I've got a fun fact up there. His birthday is March 16th, just in case I ever run into him. That makes zero difference in my life. I'm not going to send him a birthday card. That makes no difference. I also know my wife's birthday is on May 13th. That better make a difference in my life, right? Like, I, I should get a card and a, and a gift and plan to celebrate, go out to, cel- to dinner to celebrate together, right? See, see, there's knowledge that we just know for the sake of not knowing, informational knowledge. And then there's knowledge that we know that actually impacts our lives, maybe even impacts our lives day by day, moment by moment. That's transformational. Knowledge of God is meant to be transformational in our lives. The, the goal of knowing God better is not simply to accumulate information about him, but to live in a relationship with him where day by day by day, our lives are impacted and changed as the result of knowing him. This is what Paul is praying for in Colossians 1, 9 through 14, as we'll read in a minute. He's praying that we might grow in knowledge of God so that we might then live a life that is pleasing to him. Or the the big idea, true knowledge of God is meant to lead to a transformed life. So let let me pray for us before we read God's word together and then we'll read Colossians 1 verses 9 through 14. Father, we come before you wanting to know you. But God, we pray that the the knowledge we have of you or the knowledge we gain of you might be used by your spirit to impact our lives. The ways we think, the ways we feel, and the ways we live day by day, moment by moment. And, And so I pray even this morning as we look at Paul's prayer and perhaps make it our own prayer that you would do that. Give us knowledge of you that might lead to a transformed life. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If we just look, start by looking at verse 9, we might see from Paul and, and be encouraged to pray for a knowledge of God that changes us. To pray for a knowledge of God that changes us. Because Paul says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. We should, we should ask, what does it mean to be filled with the knowledge of God's will? Because there are lots of times where we use that term, God's will, to mean something like God revealing something about our future to us. So so maybe revealing uh, 
who I should marry or what job I should take or where I should live or or any number of other things. And it's not that, that God never does that, but when the Bible speaks of God's will, far more often it's talking about his revealed will that we have in the Bible. To know God's will is to know, his, is to know him through his word. And so when Paul prays that we might grow in a knowledge of God's will, be filled with a knowledge of God's will, he's, he's praying that we might grow in understanding him through the scriptures and what he has revealed about himself. To which I think we should then ask, well, why does Paul pray for this? Why not just say to the Colossians and to us, go read the Bible. Go read the Bible so you know God and his will. Why does he pray for it? And I want to suggest three, three answers to that question. Why, why pray for knowledge of God through the scriptures? That, that I think is maybe showing us why Paul prays for it and, and maybe three reasons why we should pray for it. The first is this that knowledge of God is the most important thing for our lives. If you go through Paul's prayers, even if you look back at Ephesians 1 or or Philippians 1 that we talked about last week, almost always there's some part of it where Paul is praying for knowledge of God and his will. Spiritual wisdom, spiritual understanding. Almost always. It's if Paul knows that this is the most important thing for you and me. We we just can stop and think, okay, if, if God is the one who created us, and he's designed us to know him and live in a relationship with him. And he knows what's best for our lives. And that we are ultimately accountable to him for how we live. Then to, to know him is by far the most important thing in our lives. It, it is far more important than who you marry or whether you marry or not. It's far more important than where you live. It's far more important than whether you're rich or poor, sick or healthy. Not that those things don't matter, but to know God matters more. And what I mean by knowing God is to to live in relationship with him, where knowing him every day impacts how we live. Now, probably most of us would say, yeah, that's true. Knowing God is most important. But the reality is for all of us, there are thousands of other things that clamor for our attention and in some way yell to us, I'm more important. Every single day, there are thousands of things that clamor for your attention and my attention and try to crowd out the importance of knowing God. For us in a 21st century world, likely one of the big ones is just distractions and entertainment. Why, why is it that there are days, more days than I want to admit, where I spend more time surfing ESPN and catching up on whatever the latest breaking news story may be than I do spend seeking God, praying to him? Like, why do I fill my dead moments of my day, just like five minutes in between tasks, or as I get home and walk in, why do I fill that with what's on ESPN? Because in that moment, somehow I've come to believe this is more important than knowing God, seeking him right now. Or or maybe it's just like the the to-do list we have to do every single day, every single week, that that we wake up knowing I have to get this done, and then I've got to get that done, and then I have to get this done, and so I better get started on it, and I better keep going and going and going. And that that crowds out seeking God throughout our day. Why is that? 
because in some way I've come to believe that what, what I achieve and what I do throughout my day and throughout my week matters more than knowing God. This could be any number of things, but we have to recognize every single day there, there are all sorts of things that clamor for our attention and try to push out knowing God, which is why prayer is actually a form of resistance where we take up arms and we say, no, knowing God matters more. Knowing God matters more. And it's not, it's not that we don't do those other stuff and it's not that we spend all day in our bedroom praying, but it's just we seek to throughout the day fix our eyes back on God find ways to be pointed back to him. It, it, it may be taking time in the morning to pray before you go into your day. It may be setting reminders throughout your day to pray. It may be just in between tasks, praying to God before you, like there are all sorts of ways we can apply this, but it's a form of resistance where we say over and over again, knowing God matters more than anything else in my life. So I'm going to seek him. That, that's the, the first reason we, we should pray for knowledge of God through his word. The second is this, Knowledge of God is meant to be the delight of our lives. Knowledge of God and his will is meant to be the the sweetest and most valuable thing in my life and in your life. David, in talking about knowing God in his word, says this in Psalm 19, and it's not just in Psalm 19. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. He's saying, God, to know you and your word is the most valuable and most delightful thing to me. That, that view of God and his word is only possible through the, the Holy Spirit at work in us. As sinners apart from God's grace, we will look at God and his will and say, that is standing in the way of what I want. That's part of what it means to be a sinner. It means to look at what's supremely valuable, God and his will, and despise it. And part of the incredible miracle of conversion and new birth that the Spirit does in us is he takes what used to stand in the way of what we want, God and his will, and makes that now what we want with our lives. Not perfectly, not all the time, but more and more makes that what we long for, to know God and to know his will. But we, we would say, even the, for those who are, have been saved by God's grace, we, we still struggle to delight in God and his will as we should. I, I don't know about you, but, but there are many times where knowing God, especially reading his word and seeking to know him through his word, feels a little bit more like drinking medicine than sipping on honey. Do you, do you feel that? Where I, know, where I do it because I, think, I know this is good for me, but, but it doesn't taste like it should. This is why Paul prays for spiritual understanding. This is an all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It, it's praying that the Holy Spirit would help us to see and understand God and his word as we really should, to see the value and worth of it and, and delight in him. I think of it in this way. If I put in front of a toddler a block of gold and a new toy, I'm going to guess almost every single time the toddler is very quickly going to forget about the gold and play with the new toy. Why is that? 
because in their way of thinking, they cannot grasp the value of that block of gold. And so they they need someone to enlighten them to point out the gold is so much better than whatever little trinket this is that you've chosen or you're playing with. We desperately, day by day, need the Holy Spirit to enlighten us to understand that God and his word and his will is so much more valuable than anything else in our lives. God's word is a gold mine, and yet so often I don't treat it that way. And so that's why we should pray for knowledge of God and his will, for spiritual understanding to know and see and delight in him as we're meant to. And then the the third reason, knowledge of God is meant to be applied to our lives. Paul prays for spiritual wisdom in verse 9 because wisdom is this skill of applying what we know of God and his will to the day in and day out realities of our lives. That the knowledge of God is not meant to be this abstract thing that I know but doesn't impact my life. But we desperately need God's spirit to help us live with wisdom and apply it. I, I think about it. I can know the truth that God is with me but there are many, many circumstances that I go through where I don't live like that's true. I desperately need the Holy Spirit to help me live like God really is with me and to apply that to whatever I'm facing right in front of me. And we could take that with all sorts of truths. You could just think about it in this way, that when you open up the Bible and and you're reading about God and what he's done and you come across something that, that you see about him, that's true of him, that, that we can just pause and say, okay, God, help me to remember this as I go throughout my day. Help me to think of this when when I face something challenging today. Help me to live like this is really true because without you, I'm going to forget it. Without you, I'm not going to live in light of this. We need God's spirit to help us apply what we know of him to our lives, which leads right into the purpose of Paul's prayer for knowledge. He prays that we might grow in the knowledge of God's will so as, in order to, so that, whatever word you want to put there, Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. You might say from that, pray that knowledge of God would enable you to live a life that pleases God. Knowing God is meant to transform our lives so that we live to please him. Now there's two things that I think we're prone to think and live according to here that are not true. On on the one hand, we might be prone to think and live saying it matters how I live and what I do because I need to earn or keep God's love for me. It matters how I behave because I need to earn or keep God's love for me. Or on the flip side, we we might think it doesn't matter how I live and it doesn't matter what I do because God loves me no matter what. Neither of those are biblical, true, or Christian. The one's legalism and the one's what people would say is antinomialism. Neither of those are true. What, what is true and biblical, what the Bible teaches us, the, the gospel teaches us is this. God loves me and approves of me in Christ because of what he's done. 
and nothing I'm going to do is change that, going to change that. And because God is so good and worthy, I long to please him with my life now. Right? God loves me because of what Christ has done. And because I see he's so good and worthy, now I long to please him. Not to gain something with him from him, but because I know how good he is. You, you, might, you might think of it in this way. Think back to your days in school growing up. So think of grade, grade school, middle school, high school. I, I would guess there were many times where you studied, did homework, uh, tried hard, listened, just because you wanted to gain a grade, right? That, that you knew if, if I don't apply myself, if I don't do the homework, if I don't study, that, then I won't get the good grade, I'll fail, I'll get in trouble. So I need to do it in order to gain something. That, that was probably the case in a lot of your classes. It wasn't a lot of my classes. But I would also guess there were certain teachers, maybe just one of them, maybe two of them, that you learned to really like because of their personality, because of the interest they took in you, because of how they showed they cared about you and your life. You learned to really like that teacher. And I would guess that in their class, you found yourself trying just a little bit harder, studying maybe just a little more, paying attention a little bit more, not so that you could simply gain a good grade and move on, but because of your relationship with that teacher and how much you looked up to them and respected them and liked them. We're meant to seek to live in a way that pleases God, not because we're trying to gain or earn his love and favor, but because we truly, when we truly know God, we learn to know how good he is and how gracious he is and how kind he is and how worthy he is. And so then we long to live a life that pleases him. And so to grow in genuine knowledge of God and relationship with him should lead to us growing in the desire to please him. Again, that fluctuates a lot. Please hear me out on that. But if we have zero desire to please God, it might be a warning sign that we don't genuinely know him. Because if we know him and how good and worthy and loving and kind and gracious and holy is, that then more and more we, we do long to please him. And what's great in Paul's prayer here is that he gives several ways we might seek to please God as we grow in knowledge of him. And, and they're actually, I think, really practical day-by-day day ways that we can seek to please God in our life. Here's, here's the first one. Seek to obey God's commands. Paul says to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work. Bearing fruit in every good work is just another way of saying obeying God in our day-to-day lives. That as we obey him or seek to obey him, we bear fruit for his kingdom. And so in order to obey God, we need to know his commands. We need to know his will for us. But I think it goes deeper than that too. That knowing God more and more helps us to see obedience in the right way. Because obedience tends to get a bad rap. Obedience tends to be this thing that I look at and maybe you look at and think, yeah, I just have to do that. That's part of life. Like, I just have to obey. But, but the more we know God, the more we see how good he is and the more we see how good his commands are. And so we start to discover obedience is actually something that's good for us. Not just something we think, I should do this so I don't get in trouble. 
Christian obedience is more and more seeing God is good, his commands are good, therefore I want to obey him. I, I almost think of it, it's like the difference of telling a child they need to take a nap versus telling an adult they need to take a nap, right? If you tell a child, hey, you need to go take a nap, it's like the, the worst thing ever, right? I don't want to take a nap. I want to stay up as much as possible. If, if you tell adult Kyle, Kyle, you need to go take a nap, think, what? I'm, I'm allowed to do that right now? That's great. Yes, I'll do that. To, to know God is to more and more see that his commands are not bad for us. They're good and that we should long to obey him. Now, we, we don't always necessarily see that, but that's part of believing by faith that God is good and what he commands is good. And so to seek to obey him day by day is part of what it means to live a life that pleases God. I think Paul gets even more practical in the next two. First of all, seek to rely on God in difficulties. He, he prays in Colossians 1.10 that we might be strengthened with all power according to his, God's glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Life is full of difficulties and challenges and trials that require endurance and patience. You, you know this. I, I guarantee there was something that happened in your life just even this past week or has been happening four weeks that requires endurance and patience. That, that maybe it's a difficult relationship in your life where it requires endurance and patience. Maybe it's just being in a difficult season of life where you're like, what am I going to get through this season of life? And it requires endurance and patience. Maybe it's facing a difficult circumstance. You need endurance and patience to keep going. Maybe it's like a, a chronic illness or pain and just every day you need endurance and patience. Maybe it's just being a Christian in high school or at a job where that's looked down on or in a world where that's mocked. It requires endurance and patience to keep going. And, and we can be prone to think at times, okay, I need to make it through this to prove how strong I am to God. And that will show him, please him. That, that's not what pleasing him looks like in difficult, difficulties day by day. Pleasing him looks like recognizing how weak and needy we are and how strong and powerful he is and then leaning on him to carry us through whatever is difficult in the midst of our lives. Like a, a father is pleased when a, his son or daughter reaches up to grab his hand in the face of a busy and dangerous intersection. So God, our heavenly father, is pleased when we're facing things and we say, I can't make it. I can't do it. I can't keep going. And we reach out to him and say, God, I need you to carry me through. I need you to give me endurance and patience. To, to please God day by day is to look to him for strength to help us endure all the trials and difficulties we face. And then thirdly, seek to live with gratitude to God. To live a life that pleases God is to live giving thanks to the Father. I, I love how straightforward that is. Like, hear how straightforward that is. Do you want to live a life that pleases God? Give thanks to God. Give thanks to God day by day by day. Paul, Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 as well. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's God's will? That's awesome. 
rejoice, pray, and live with gratitude, that's an incredible will. Like that's an incredible life to call us to. And yet a moment's reflection makes me realize just how difficult that is. Because I am far more prone to complain in every circumstance than I am to give thanks in every circumstance. Like, I, I don't know if you feel this, but complaining comes a whole lot more naturally to me than giving thanks does. It's a whole lot easier for me to point out what's wrong and complain about it than it is for me to give thanks day by day by day. But, but to know God is, is to know our Heavenly Father from whom every good gift comes down to us. And so from the first sip of coffee in the morning till we lay our head down at night on our bed and everything else in between is a reason for us to say, God, you're so good, thank you, over and over and over again. That's why James tells us in James 1.17, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Every day, there are all sorts of opportunities to see what's good and say, God, thank you. And that pleases him when we do. But we might ask, well, okay, but what about all the bad things in life? A lot of trials, a lot of difficulties, day by day, week by week, month by month. What about those things? Earlier in the book of James, he says something which flat out I, I think is crazy at times, but true. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. To know God is to know the one who rules over all of our trials. To know him is to know the one who has purpose even in our affliction and difficulty. And so while we may not give thanks for the trial, we can give thanks knowing that God is with us, is at work in it, and has a purpose in it, even though we might have no idea what that is. Believing by faith, God, you, you are going to do something good even through this, and so I'll give thanks to you, though I wish I wasn't walking through this. Seek to obey God, seek to rely on him in difficulty, and seek to give thanks to him. Those are three ways to please God. And here, those are three things every single day that knowing God should cause us to live differently. Then we seek to obey him, seek to rely on him, and seek to give thanks to him. But ultimately, we should see that to live this way, we need to have knowledge of the gospel because that's right where Paul goes in this passage. Maybe you caught that the first time we read through. He says in verses 12 through 14, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We, we can and should pray for a knowledge of God that's centered on the gospel. In other words, to pray for a knowledge of God that's centered on what he's already done for us in Christ. Because it's what he's already done that both enables us to see how good and worthy and awesome he is, and that motivates us to live a life that's pleasing him every day. Verses 12 through 14 describe in incredible language some of what God has done for us in Christ. And I just want us to stop here before we look. We're going to look at each of those phrases pretty quickly. But just stop here. If your faith is in Christ, hear me, if your faith is in Christ, this is true of you. 
This is true of you. This is what God has done for you. This is as true of you yesterday and today as it will be tomorrow. This is your story in Christ. And if your faith isn't in Christ, this is what can and will be true of you if you would turn from sin and trust Jesus to save you. It's what God offers to you in Christ. So with that in mind, let's look at this. God has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. I think of that and think in this life, if we want some honor or position or privilege, you better show your qualifications for it. You, you want to make the team, you got to qualify for it by trying out. You want to get into the right college, you better have the right qualifications. You want to get the job, you better qualify for it. You want to get a mortgage for the home, you got to qualify for it. You want to get a raise or, or an uh, improvement in your job, you got to qualify. Like, Everything, almost everything is, you show your qualifications so you get it. The gospel is the exact opposite. That God has qualified you and I for the greatest possible position, privilege, and honor because of what Christ has done for us. Though we were utterly disqualified from being his people and living with him forever, and in fact, every single day we give more reason why we're we're disqualified from that, God has qualified you. It's done. It's secure. That's your future, an inheritance with the saints in light. God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. God took us from the worst possible position, a life in the domain of darkness, where we lived in bondage to Satan and sin, and we didn't even know it, where we simply were wasting away our days without hope living for whatever pointless thing was right in front of us until we would one day die and face God's judgment for our sin. Like that's the domain of darkness. God took us from the worst possible position and has put us in the best possible position in the kingdom of his beloved son where you are a conqueror over sin and Satan and death, where you belong to Christ's kingdom and you will reign with him forever because of Jesus and what he's done. And then it says, God has redeemed us and forgiven us of all our sins. That God through great, the great cost of the death of his son, Jesus has bought our freedom. Like what we sung in that first song is true of you if your faith is in Christ. You are free. You're free because all your sins have been forgiven. And so you don't have to live in regret over your past or fear over your future or guilt over every day how you blow it in a thousand ways because you've been redeemed and forgiven in Christ. Sam Storm says the forgiveness of our sins isn't just a future hope, something that will one day be ours. I would add it's not just something for our past either. It's ours now. It is an existing, ever-present, liberating, and life-changing reality in the present moment. All hope for happiness is contingent on the forgiveness of sins. Which means if your sins are forgiven, you have all hope for happiness. See, it's knowledge of God in the gospel that frees us and motivates us to live a life that's pleasing to him. The gospel stirs a desire to please God. How can I possibly look at all that God has done for me and not have a desire to please him in some way. Not to gain anything from him, but because I see how good he's been to me in Christ. The the gospel strengthens a reliance on God. When I see all he's accomplished in Christ, 
I see how good and how powerful he is. And so I'm encouraged to rely on him and lean on him day by day. And the gospel fills us with reasons for gratitude. When I consider the price Jesus paid for my sins, how how can it not lead me to gratitude? The gospel gives us thousands of reasons to give thanks to God. Because every new day where you see some new sin in your life and then confess it, gives you one more reason to say, God, thank goodness Jesus died for me and forgiven me of my sins. See, to, to live a life that pleases God, we need to know the gospel because it's the gospel that tells us who God is, what he's done, and stirs our hearts to desire to please him. I, I experienced this reality in a, in a very minor way in my life in, in a different scenario. Um, during college and after college, I worked as a delivery driver for, for a mulch company. And, and I can remember the, the first several weeks that I worked there, uh, I made, I think, quite a few mistakes. Uh, I, I messed up quite a few times. But the, the worst time was I, I went to someone's house and, and I backed in and I kind of uh, took the, the back of the truck up, the dump truck up, and the mulch slid out. And then without looking, I pulled forward only to hear wires collapse on my truck. And so I got out and I realized I just took down their phone wires and cable wires, completely tore them off the house, took them down. Oh, no. And and I remember like driving back to our home base, just dreading having to tell my boss that I screwed up again and this time worse than any other of my mistakes. Like, I remember just beating myself up on the way back. Like, why can't you get this together? Why do you keep screwing up? What are they going to think of you? And and I remember walking in and kind of being, like, anxious and sheepishly approaching my boss and saying, hey, I need to tell you something. I was out of this place. I pulled down wires. I'm so sorry. Uh, If you you need to take money out of my paycheck to, like, fix it, please do. Like, I I won't do it again. And I remember he, he looked at me, and he had just this, like, gracious, encouraging face. We just said, Kyle, thanks for telling me. Uh, You don't need to worry about it. I'll take care of it. Uh, And we're definitely not taking money out of your paycheck. Like, we love having you work for us. Uh, keep, Keep doing what you do. That did not lead me to go out and think, awesome, I'm gonna tear down as many wires as possible. Like, I'm just taking down wires today that image of him was ingrained in my mind of how kind and gracious and generous he had been to me. And that led me to, over my time with them, desire to do the best possible job I could for him. Not because I was afraid that they're going to fire me if I screw up again, but because I longed to please the one who had been so good to me in that moment. That's why we need knowledge of the gospel in order to live a life that pleases God. Because to know how good and generous and gracious and kind and gentle and powerful and wise God has been to us in Christ, then frees us to desire to please him day by day by day. That that we might say, because of what I know of this God and what he's done for me, I want to seek to obey him I want to seek to rely on him, and I want to seek to give thanks to him every single day. That's the type of transformational impact that knowing God should have on our lives. 
And that's why we should pray that we might continue to grow in the knowledge of God and his will so that we might walk in a manner worthy of him, fully pleasing to him. Let's pray this for ourselves and others. Father, we want to know you more. I think as I, I prayed, I think early in the series, we want to want to know you more. There, there are days where, where thousands of other things crowd our attention, but God, we, we want to know you more. Stir that desire, stir a hunger, stir a thirst to know you more. Not just so that we might fill our heads with information, but so that we might live in a relationship with the one who's died to save us, with the one who is good, the one who is worthy, the one who is kind and powerful. And God, I pray that that the more that we know of you, or even the knowledge we already have of you, would cause us to desire to live a life that's pleasing to you. And that day by day, we might seek to obey you seek to rely on you, seek to give thanks to you. And in the moments where we fail utterly, we might run back to the cross again and remember, but Jesus has redeemed us and forgiven us of all our sins and just find another reason to give gratitude to you and to seek to please you. Please do that in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.